coke in the whiskers. Welcome to Ear Seduction. I'm your host, Paul Schilling. In today's episode, I try something new. I invite the Minnesota misanthrope on, and I bring to him one of my grievances, an issue that I'm struggling with emotionally, where I tap into my emotion and sort of just rage about the state of the world and about the things that I don't like in the world. And I do this for two reasons. One, because I want to express myself and I thought it would be helpful to get these emotions out and to just say what I think and what I feel to somebody to see if there's any pushback and to see kind of where it leads, what kind of conversation we might have from this bizarre and extreme starting point. Now, in my head, I envisioned a conversation with Minnesota that would go back and forth and that eventually we'd end up in a place that made more sense than where I start. If you if you listen to the rest of this episode, you'll see that I start off from a very extreme position and the goal is to move into a more reasonable position. The extreme position that I start with is an emotional one. It's just it's just me being fed up with the world and and airing out my grievances. Now, what this episode turned into was the realization that, for one, uh, this might not be the greatest format or the greatest exercise to do with another person. Because, you know, when I prepped the Minnesota Misanthrope for this episode, you know, I was saying, like, look, I'm going to take a very extreme position. And I want to see if, you know, there's... If we could, you know, move the goalpost to make it a more reasonable position. And I don't know that we really got there. I don't know that that's what happened in this episode. And I've tried that same thing with other people where I say, okay, I'm going to set the stage. And, and I say, on one side, we've got one extreme. And on the other side, we've got another extreme. How do we find the answer in the, in a happy middle ground? Or how do we find what the right answer is based on these two emotional extremes? Uh, and it never really worked. So initially, the idea was to bring it to somebody and have a conversation. And I'm not against that, but what I ended up doing was coming up with a series of podcasts that will be released in Season 3 called Very Ape. And I call them Very Ape because I'm an ape. And this is me being my most apish, right? This is me tapping into, you know, my my pre-hominid brain, my, my chimpanzee, artipithecus brain, where things are much more emotionally charged and there's just a lot less logic and reason. And it's just me expressing myself. I don't see any problem with being a human being and being able to vocalize my frustration and my anger and my rage. You know, I'm not the kind of guy that's going to go to a yoga class and think that I need to be at one with the world in peace and harmony, man. I mean, yes, I want peace, but I'm also pragmatic and I'm also somebody who recognizes that there is some benefit to rage, especially when you express it vocally in an effort to not be physically violent, right? 
you're going to you're going to feel rage as a human being you might as well learn how to say it instead of actually doing it right so that's really the the point of that series the very ape series it's to just exercise my demons get the rage out now i want to i want to provide you with a caveat here um i propose a very extreme and emotional solution to my problem to the minnesota misanthrope but that is not how I want society to work. The whole point of bringing it, bringing it up to him was that he would see the absurdity of it and push back. So I want to make sure that that's clear before you know you hear the sound clip. I'm not saying that we should actually do what I suggest we do. I'm just being extreme and rageful. I'm just being emotional. This is not how I want society to work. This is not how I want government to work. This is not ethical or moral. It's pushing a boundary in order to understand where the limit is and why we shouldn't even go there, essentially. I did it in the hopes that Minnesota Misanthrope and I would would be forced to really think about these issues and think about what a real solution might be. Now, I learned a few things from this episode. One, that I'm not really sure that I'm going to do it with another person the next time. And so, therefore, in Season 3, when I release a series called Very Ape, where I'm just getting upset <laughs> and screaming into the microphone for your, for your enjoyment, I'm probably not going to do it with another person. Because I've tried this now a couple of times with a couple different people, and it never really got anywhere that was very satisfying to me. But what I will do is I'll air this out. I'll air out my grievance. And then I'll probably do a retrospective after that and say, hmm, so what do I really want the solution to be? Obviously, it's bothering me. And now I've given it some thought. So what's the real answer? And I think hopefully that will be uh, educational and it will be uh, therapeutic for me and you. But in the following clip, you're going to hear me propose something insane with the hopes that I get a reasonable amount of pushback or at least some engagement in the topic. I'll let you decide exactly how engaged it gets and how useful the conclusions are. But at least now you understand what I was trying to do and what I will be doing in the future. So here's our fledgling episode of Very Ape. Thank you. And now, ladies and gentlemen, welcome my co-host, Mr. Monocane himself, Minnesota's own, the Midwest misanthrope. Well, this kind of brings me to another topic that I was sort of chewing on. And we might not get to our, our podcast topics, just FYI. But, yeah, I'll, um, think, I'll think it's a trick. <laughs> well, let's yeah, we're, we're not going there, yeah. Um, this brings me to a, uh, something I was chewing on, uh, the other day. And I've chewed on a couple times because I want to know, essentially, if there is a way to argue that enough is enough with, with some people. The, the people that I consider, like, enough is enough is, like, ISIS and the Taliban and Boko Haram. And to a less severe degree, but also, uh, in the same in the same spirit, uh, people that try to in the United States, you know, try to suppress free speech or try to impose their beliefs on other people, or you know, tell gay people that they're not people or that they don't deserve the same rights as everybody else. That's obviously to a lesser degree in the sense that I think the backlash should be handled differently. But I think enough is enough, right? Um, in the sense of like. And to get back to the main point, the sense of like Boko Haram or ISIS or or Al Qaeda or or the Taliban, um, I almost feel like 
a case could be made, and I, I, I don't know how to exactly navigate these waters, but I almost feel like a case could be made where we should just fucking go in there and wipe them out. Like... We go to that part of the world, we say, we, you know, the day before we start wiping everybody out or the week before we say, look, you either are with us or you're against us. Anybody who wants to be free and be American, step up now and then we are going to lay waste to everything that's left here. And we'll just start over. We'll just rebuild. We'll just, you know, we'll just do whatever we got to do to make this a good place to be. But we are taking out everything that isn't on our side. And we can guarantee, you know, the leaders of certain countries and and whoever are not going to be on our side. They're already legislating against, you know, basic human rights for for women and children and their men. And they're imposing Sharia law and everything. And it's like, I don't know. I feel like there's a case for that. I feel like there might be a way to talk about that that makes sense. Of course, I'm also talking about the mass murder and slaughter of anybody that doesn't think that women deserve to have equal rights as men or that children do or that men deserve to have equal rights to themselves, that they, you know, it's a, right. it's a big statement. It's a big statement to say that if you don't believe in free speech and you repress the whole community and those of you in the community that think it's okay to be repressed and to repress others because of your ideology, we are going to kill you. <laughs> yeah. But I think there is a case that could be made, like I said. I mean, I don't know. I'm almost to the point where enough is enough. It's like, look, you guys are struggling so much to make sense of the world that you're shooting people on buses for no reason and you're blowing up um, yourselves in, in public areas, and you have been for decades. And now we can't even talk about you without being called Islamophobic or whatever. We can't even mention it. It's like that which we do not speak of. Right, right. You know, it's off limits, and that's just that's just holding the door open for this ideology to start taking root and to be legislated into our society, which it already is in Canada and other places. Stuff like this is passing. Yeah. Stuff like there's Sharia law courts in London. Right. And they say, oh, well, it's just for marriage. It's just for marriage issues and family issues. Well, you know what it is? It's to say that this woman gets nothing and she's worth nothing because she was married to this guy and now he's throwing her out. Or it's abusive relationships. Men are beating their wives, they're beating their children, and they're going to Sharia law to figure out how to cope with it instead of our law system, which says you can't do things like that. It's all under this guise of family issues. Oh, well, these are mostly just family disputes. Or, or, you know, this is like counseling is what they're trying to make it sound like. And it's, it's held under Sharia law and it, it greatly favors the man and it allows things like rape and it allows things, it allows for torture. It allows for all kinds of things. I, I just feel like, I don't know. I feel like maybe enough is enough. Maybe if you believe in Sharia law that we should just shoot you and get on with it. Right. Right. And I just, I don't know. I'm going to plant my flag there and I just want to hear what you think because I've gotten to the point now where I'm so upset about this. Mm-hmm. I'm just so sick of hearing about it and I'm so sick of seeing it and I'm so offended by these people and by what they're proposing and I'm so sick of the victims of, of what they're doing. Looking at these kids' faces on TV or wherever and seeing these women, you know, pull off the burqa and then start dancing because they have a moment's freedom. I'm just so sick of seeing that. Right. We're better than that. There's another side to this coin, though, and I, I first I want to hear what you think about what I just said. Uh... I think it's a you know a strong position that you have. I I don't I don't have enough respect for the Sharia law. You know I don't I don't have enough respect for the idea of priests that fondle little little boys. You know I don't I don't I don't respect those things. I don't I don't appreciate it. I'm not the 
I'm not the masses, and I don't feel that there's any benefit for me personally to advocate or try to rally. Like, if there was if there was a rally that was for, uh, let's say it says Sharia, uh, right? If there was a rally that was going against Greece to stop, you know, back when there was that huge wave to stop molesting choir boys, I wouldn't go to it because I just kind of figure it doesn't need to be a fucking, it doesn't need to be a spectacle. Uh, if I know that that's not right, that's, that's enough for me to basically be like, I don't need to be told the benefits of approaching life through an anthropological perspective in order to respect all religions and all ways of life. When, honestly, I just, I don't, I don't just have this respect or appreciation for it. I think it's pretty ridiculous. I, I kind of, I look down on it. And I think if I'm doing that, I, I like to think that there's a lot of people who go the same way. If there was a position to where all of a sudden there was a mass wave of basically saying we're, we are now forcing uh, Sharia law to start evolving into the ways of present-day global society and common law. And for those who don't do this, we will be actively engaging with them in a form of punishment. I'd be like, yeah, sounds good. Cool. Um, the fact that it's not being done, I don't like it as much, but it's still kind of like, eh, I mean, fucking whatever. It's not, it's not for me to give a shit about. And I know it's repressive. I know it's, you know, people are trapped. Women are trapped in these environments. And at the end of the day, I just, I bank on the idea that there's got to be a fucking breaking point for that gender to be able to start doing something radical, which may cost them their lives along the way. But my God, how long is this going to go on? When does something actually get done fucking internal? And if it's not going to happen internally, it's almost like saying, well, I guess they're just not fucking ready. So, as cool as that may sound, it, it's kind of uh, my, my stance on it, you know? Well, and let me just say that that is the perfect response. Um, every time I get to the edge, you know, when I'm thinking, like, let's just fucking murder these people, you know? <laughs> I don't propose murder, generally speaking. Oh, I mean, not as often as you used to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but... But I think I think you I think you tapped right into the root of that that issue, dude. And there's a whole nother narrative to say in regards to that, and that's that these emancipations, these these constraints, these personal constraints, have to be resolved within the the individual, the person being constrained to to a large degree. If you're being repressed, it's up to you to organize and and have you know and speak out now. In their defense, it hugely retards their ability to do that when they get murdered every time they try. Absolutely. So, so I mean, the, the idea that, that it does come from within, I think it's much more tenable. I think, first of all, I think it's more true than my idea. I think my idea, you have to have a caveat. I think the idea that it comes from within is true across the board. It has to happen in those types of communities like Taliban and, you know, Iran and Kuwait and Saudi Arabia. But it also has to happen in our community. That's why we see so many people still indoctrinating their children and indoctrinating themselves and believing in nonsense. They have to emancipate themselves from this idea that there's a God that watches them and protects them and judges them and murders them and all this other stuff, that they have to live in fear of this creature while also loving it somehow and, and blah, blah, and having a relationship with it. I mean, they ask the impossible. But 
it does have to at least be recognized that in certain communities, they don't have the luxury of rule of law. So they don't have just basic human rights that severely retards their ability. I mean, I think the case can be made that liberating those people or in some way, you know, freeing them from their bonds, you know, there is an ethical case for that. I, I hate to say it in that sense because I would prefer that they do it themselves. But I can also see how every time they try, they get murdered or beaten and that there's literally half the population who are bigger and stronger are there enforcing these things through brutal force, through caning and whipping and stoning and forcing the burqa and so on, and the hijab or whatever yeah. it's called. I mean, it's kind of hijab. Kind of like Syria, you know. Say it again. It's kind of like Syria. It's outcry for help, and when they're making videos and they're kind of like, you know, why doesn't somebody come and help us? And you're kind of like, well. How, how can we help? What would you, what would you like to do? Yeah. How can we do that? And it's like, come here and, you know, take care of this for us. And then it's kind of like, well, I mean, I hate to say this, but we didn't fucking make that. That's not something we did. Unfortunately, uh, it's something that's occurred and it didn't help by standing by and watching. It sucks. But we understand that there, you don't have the ability to do anything, but you don't get to pass it off to another country as if they're supposed to do something about it. If that makes any sense. It's very like, that's not, that's not passing the blame. That's not, it's not a blame. It still comes down to this is a fucking issue. Something's gotta be done. But it's not a question of somebody gets to play a hero. Let's realize the fact that this thing got so fucked up. And, you know, to this point, and you're expecting people who don't live there to be able to do something. What do you want, what do you want the rest of the world to do? This has nothing to do. The world didn't put you in the place that you're currently at right now. So, do you want to do something which is some type of revolt, some type of pushback? You know, and if you're gonna die anyways, you wanna go out with a fucking spine? Or are you expecting to grovel your way through this shit and beg? For other people to do it for you. And I don't know, man. I, I know it sounds cold, but at the same time, is there something, you know, where's the person who's just like, give me the bomb and I will walk into this fucking area and blow myself up because I'm not going to do this anymore. Yeah, where are the suicide bombers in Iran or whatever, right? Where are the Muslims taking out other Muslims? Yeah. Now, I hear you. I think there's a couple flaws in your in your analysis, though, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I, I just mean I, I heard what you said, and, and I, I, for the most part, agree with you. I think there's a narrative there to say it would really be beneficial to inspire those people and support those people to fight back against their um, oppressors. I think there's also a narrative that you could say, you know, you could argue that, and I think validly, that you could go into those areas and liberate them for them. You know, you could do it for them and still have a decent case. I understand that, you, that you're not taking that, that route especially, but I, I still don't think that I've heard anything that makes that case invalid. The only thing that I was going to say was, is part of, of your um, narrative assumes that they have control over their situation. And I'm not sure that that's a totally safe assumption. I think there's some, some gray areas there. Um, they oh, certainly... I, I'm not, and please, I'm not saying that they do have, I think that they've lost complete control of the situation. They have no control of the situation. Not, but not the, lost, but they have no control of the situation. And, and, and by they, I mean the women and children. Right. They have no control over the situation. However, that's the first, that's the first stepping stone. 
<clears throat> I think, when it comes to being able to start considering the idea of how do we take control. Yeah, yeah. And yes, I, I understand that part of it. I, I, I think that is the narrative. I just, by saying, are you going to have a spine or by spinning it in a way that, I think it, I guess what it means is when, when there's not the caveat put into the argument that you just made, it sounds, un, and you, you acknowledge it too. You said, I don't mean to be cold or I know this sounds harsh, but I think it unnecessarily puts the blame or the focal point on the victim. And I'm just not sure that I think that if you accidentally inject that into your argument, that anything that you build upon after that can be a little maybe, maybe you're erring on the side of being overly negative or overly uh, abusive in a sense towards those people because there is a, a, a real element to this that they don't have control. And therefore, it's not that they're spineless. It's it, it, certainly we want to in, encourage them to become, be emboldened and to, and to take control of the situation, like you said, and blow themselves up in their own supermarkets as, in protest, you know, due to their governments, what their governments are doing to the rest of the world. But, but they're not, I don't know. It, I think it just runs the risk of sounding too harsh, which is why I, I, that's where I think that came into play is yeah. by, by saying that they're spineless or saying that they're not taking control by ridiculing them for that or, or maybe not ridiculing, but um, chastising them for that. That's actually not in their control. No, but if on the same hand or on the but other they, hand. But they do need to be motivated to get up and do something about it. other hand, there's the idea of basically saying, you want help? How can we help? And then make it to where it's not, we're doing the work for you. And obviously that's backfired in the past, but that is the most logical way of going about it. Well, what do you want to do? Well, you know, I I want to, you know, instead of saying, like, this is our culture, this is how we do things, for somebody to have a voice and say, I want to get the fuck out of here, and then be able to say, let's get you the fuck out of there. Yeah. But instead of being like, I want you to come in here, uh, fix this, and then let us do our thing here, it's like, no. You're either, you're either able to get the fuck out, or you're able to do something internally to have some type of revolt. But other than that, we don't really, uh, we got nothing for you. And I wonder if we as like the outside world, not just America, just the idea of like, we can't go in there, we can't go into places and redevelop and wipe out a culture if there's still people that don't know that they're being oppressed, still want to support that culture. Like, well, fuck it, man. We're not going to teach them shit. We've already told them. That's not the way things happening. But, they're still in the lines of, it was like that documentary I was watching when it came to, or listening to on a podcast with a lady from Korea when didn't even know what the fuck a scorpion I don't know what to tell you. You don't know what a scorpion is. I mean, look, um, you're basically, you're kind of fucked. You're kind of fucked. Uh, there's not much we can do except come in here and wipe out your fucking government, which we might have to do, but because of threat of the way the government is, but we don't get to, we don't get to just come in and <laughs> Nice if you internally, if we can start providing you with options, and there's going to be a lot of fucking casualties. But are you willing to basically go ahead and say, look, man, this is worth fighting for. Fuck this. Or are you comfortable with where you're at with the things that we think are fucked up? That's the case. You got to fuck. That's the way you are. That's okay. We leave you alone. Don't come, just, you know what I mean? Don't come fucking poking the bull's balls with the rest of the world. Do your thing, shit. Yeah, it would, I think it would be much less of an issue if this was more contained. It'd be off the radar. But you bring me to another interesting idea that I wanted to run by you as I was thinking about this, too, is I wonder if one of the things that we've done wrong consistently in the Middle East is to impose or implement and there are a lot of cases against this idea that we impose governments there. Okay. Uh, 
Yeah. I, I get that. I'm just going to use that word because it's to simplify our argument. Okay, I don't want to get into whether or not we actually impose governments or whether they elect governments or whether we support governments or what we do. However, okay. we influence that area to get specific governments in play. I wonder if the main thing that we've done wrong is every government has been male-led. I wonder how it would be different over there if we supported or imposed a female-oriented government, a female leader with female members of at least 50% or more, <laughs> yeah. and, and a female justice system, uh, you know, the leaders become females. And I, I just wonder how things would be different. Now, maybe I have rose-colored glasses on, and maybe I think that women just wouldn't do the same things men do, or that they would see some, um, you know, ethical underpinning to their to their legislation and and do what's right for everybody. Maybe that's naive of me. I just wonder it, how it would change. I wonder if women would have been just as vindictive and terrible as men are. I wonder if they would have instilled the right kind of government that does take into account other people's rights. I like to think that they would, that they would have done a much better job than the men have. Um, I like to think that, but I don't know if that's naive or not. I, I don't know if that... Um, I know there is evidence. I read an article talking about uh, countries that have women leaders and have a parliament or have a government of at least 50%. Some of them are as high as 60% women. Um, how well they do, how well they do with the community, how bonded the country is, um, how good the social systems are, how good the ethical systems are, and how good their civics are. They have more engagement. They're... Um, they're considered highly ethical and, and moral and just places. They take into account everybody's rights. Uh, they just score very high in that, in that regard. Very interesting. Okay, so there you heard uh, an interesting, as uh, the Minnesota misanthrope put it, uh, exchange. Uh, if we take it point by point, I just want to reiterate that uh, I brought this to the table with the specific purpose of suggesting something that was, you know, extreme, right? We just go in there and kill them all. And the idea was essentially, sometimes that's how I feel, even though I don't want it to be that way. You know, even though that's not what I necessarily think we should do. Now, I'll get into sort of why I think that way sometimes uh, in later podcasts. But for the purpose of this podcast, if we take a point-by-point -point analysis of what was said um, and what I tried to do with this podcast, it was essentially, uh, you know, me blowing off steam about what I don't like about the world and then trying to get to some kind of understanding, a better position, kind of like what I had been doing in previous podcasts. But so it's, it's about trying to better my position in the world. Well, Okay, so my first point was, uh, you know, do we have a real case? Do we have a, any kind of, of position that's defensible? Or do we have any real case for just going in there and killing them all, right? Do we have any case for that? And, you know, initially, and I put in all my caveats and stuff, and I'm thinking, okay, so, you know, that's, I guess that's one place to put a, a goal, uh, a goalpost, you know? And the, the whole point is that we are going to move these goalposts now to a, a more appropriate place. So I'm thinking, okay, so <clears throat> maybe we just kill them, <laughs> right? 
And Minnesota, <clears throat> the misanthrope says, you know, initially his position is that it's a, that what I just said is a sound position. But then he sort of stumbles around a little bit. Um, but then he sort of ends up on, you know, it's not really that important to him. Um, and that it's up to the people that are in that culture to change from within. You know, I point out that we might consider standing up for those people, that we might consider going in there and liberating them or, or, or emancipating them. And M responds again by saying, you know, he stumbles around a little bit. I, I have a hard time with M sometimes understanding what he's trying to say. And he, in, in this second interaction or his second sort of volley back to me, I don't really notice that he provides any kind of coherent position other than that it's not his problem and that he doesn't really care or that it's not really the place of the outside world to, let's say, go into North Korea and liberate the North Koreans. So, I guess he's just not really engaging. There, there isn't really uh, an effort to try to solve the problem, which is what I'm trying to do. And so, I'm not sure that at this point, Minnesota is understanding sort of the purpose of this exercise. Um, then I point out that they might not have the ability to emancipate themselves, the people that we're talking about. Um, and I think he sort of, he sort of conceded to that, that, yeah, there's totally out of control. And I think he said, and so, you know, them rising up his so quote unquote solution, um, there might be some issue with that. Um, and then when I bring that up, he stumbles again a bit trying to figure out what to say. Uh, and as I said, I don't really understand his position completely. Other than that, he just ends up sort of reiterating that he doesn't have a position and that it's not really our place to go in there. So, so the exercise of me trying to wrestle with what ought we do as a society or what ought we do as a country to help these people, uh, I, I guess I'm assuming that we have some obligation initially, and he's, I guess, saying that we don't, even though the behavior of, let's say, North Korea uh, does affect us and causes us a lot of stress and trouble. I mean, how much, how much more comfortable would we all be, especially in like that first year and a half of Trump's term, for instance, um, if North Korea was just like South Korea, <laughs> you know, if we didn't have to worry about them because they were embracing a democracy that had a mixed economy and, you know, we're, we're getting busy to building a, a meaningful ethical civilization instead of what North Korea is doing. Um, so, and then I don't know what Minnesota was saying after that, but he started talking about a scorpion. Uh, I guess pointing out that if somebody's stupid, that there's not really much we can do for them. Or, or maybe he was implying that education would be a step forward, although he didn't say that explicitly. So I'm sort of putting words in his mouth. So here again, uh, the exercise, um, the exercise that I'm trying to engage in is really kind of lost on my co-host. It's, it's not that that wasn't productive in some sense, but he, you know, I say, do we have a case? Is there a case to be made for going in there and doing something, starting the conversation at killing all of them, um, you know, with the caveats that I have, of, that I had, of course, but also, you know, do we need to be severe? Like how severe and where, where are the parameters here? Where are the, where are the goalposts? With the hopes that he would push back in such a way that we could then, that I could then leave that position, abandon that position of kill them all to a more appropriate position of something, right? 
and the pushback really isn't there. And the, I, I don't know, the, the understanding of the exercise isn't really there. But you, the listener, now know what it is that I'll be trying to do in season three and four and beyond. I'm hoping that these sessions, let's call them, or the series that I publish, Very Ape, although that probably will be a more of a monologue than an interaction. But from those monologues, I would like to have on guests that give me some kind of logical position, some sort of ethical understanding that then push back against what I'm saying with maybe an alternative or would push back with what I'm proposing as inappropriate for such and such reason. And I suspect that if I were to redo this show, I don't know if you can hear that, but Bronson, my dog, is in the background chewing on a bone. If I could redo this show, I might start playing both sides of this argument to try to figure out where I actually would, let's say, vote, right? Like, I wouldn't vote to go in there and kill them all, but I also wouldn't vote to do nothing. Where's the where's the in-between, right? What would I vote to do or what would I implement in actual reality? I mean, forget about blowing off steam here and just being an ape. Let's now settle into Homo sapien and engage in all that we've evolved to understand and to learn and all of the, the rich philosophy and morality and science that I've been able to understand over the years. And let's see if we can put any of that to good use. So what ought we do with North Korea? Well, the ape in me just wants to go in there and <laughs> kill him, right? But the Homo sapien and specifically the Homo sapien in me that has engaged in ethical debate and literature, that Homo sapien within me understands that there's a better way. That Homo sapien understands that the ape in me is, uh, you know, an, an incomplete and inferior version of my past. Something that evolved into me from my past that I no longer need. A vestige of ancient thought and emotion that maybe before I evolved the understanding that I need to do my best in society to curtail pain and suffering. You know, that now, now I can understand that it is in fact my duty to try to avoid pain and suffering for myself and for those around me. Before I end the show, I just want to be clear that I'm not trying to... There's nothing wrong with what the Minnesota Misanthrope did in this episode. We just didn't do... We didn't get to a place that I had envisioned in my head. And that is a theme that I've found throughout many of the podcasts that I've produced since then. That I have a image or an idea of where the podcast is going to go, where the conversation is going to go, and where it might end up. And then I find out that it doesn't go that way at all, or that my understanding of what we're doing is different than my guests, or that 
and this is the part that that troubles me is that there just isn't any understanding from my guest. Now, in the case of this episode in Minnesota Misanthrope, there was an understanding. It just didn't get to a level that I was satisfied with. Like I didn't get a satisfactory product out of all of it. And that's not his fault. Uh, and it's not my fault. It was a fledgling attempt, as I said in the introduction. You know, this was just our, our my attempt to try something new on the show to try to entertain and engage you, the audience. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I know it's shorter than some of our other episodes, but uh, please keep listening to Ear Seduction. Ear Seduction.